When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, it's the Planet Football Podcast. Grant Wall here in New York with Luis Miguel Echegaray from Miami, Florida. How are you, my friend? Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good, but I'm not in Miami, so I hope you're enjoying yourself down there. Yeah, I'm having a... It's okay. It's a work slash vacation time. I guess I'm leaning more with vacation, but I'm still doing a little work. Awesome. Well, let's have a discussion here about what is a busy weekend, as always, in the soccer world. And we're going to start with England here. Uh, we didn't do that last week. We started with Europe last week. But the big story of the week, in some ways of the year, Manchester City banned from Champions League by UEFA for two seasons, plus a 30 million euro fine for violations of financial fair play. Uh, Also, UEFA saying that City was not uh, cooperating with their investigation. City says they will appeal, uh, most likely going to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. This is a bombshell and one of those things where, like, if you're a soccer person, you kind of remember where you were and you saw the news. I like literally Friday when this came out in a classic Friday night uh, evening news dump in Europe, I I just kind of went, whoa, Uh, I didn't think UEFA would have the cojones to do this. And they did. What's your sense? I'm with you. It was an outstanding piece of news dump on a Friday. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I was just tweeting like, God, I feel so bad for any local Manchester reporter right now. <laughs> 6.30 in the evening on just before the weekend begins. But uh, I'm with you. I, I did not think UEFA was going to do this uh, or at the very least go this harshly. I mean, the harsh part can be debated. Obviously, uh, despite all the reports and everything that's come out and obviously the statements from UEFA, um, we're still going to wait a lot more as Manchester City undoubtedly, uh, you know, will, you know, go to CAS, uh, the Court of Arbitration of Sports, and, and, and try and say their part. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm equally as amazed as you are. This just strikes me as a defining moment in modern football where we'll have to wait and see what happens with the appeal. But if it's upheld or even cut to just a year, that would still be just a, a gigantic punishment. And in a sense, I feel like This is UEFA basically saying financial fair play actually is something we're going to enforce. There have been questions about whether they would actually do that, given how they'd handled the PSG stuff before and not really given any any significant punishments to PSG. 
And City, on the other hand, is is going to be fighting for their whole mission since they bought the club uh, a decade ago, which is that we're going to try and and build the best team in the world. We're going to spend tremendous amounts of money, and we're going to try and help the reputation of uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, in particular Abu Dhabi, around the world, not just with Man City, but with the other clubs that they own, including NYCFC. And all of that is at stake now, I feel like. I feel like Pep Guardiola would probably leave if this is upheld, the punishment, no matter what he's sort of saying now. Uh, I feel like players would leave. I feel like if you take away Champions League and European competition for Man City for two seasons, this would have a, just a gigantic impact on the soccer landscape. Yeah, I think echoing uh, the main point, I think, that came out of what you just said is the trickle-down effect from a Man City um, Champions League ban, uh, specifically because obviously this is not just one team, it's an it's a franchise and it's a multi-tentacled franchise, right? You mentioned NYCFC, you mentioned the other, uh, you know, mini groups and teams around the world, their women's team, of course, you know, just in terms of everything that, that, that represents the ownership, Citigroup ownership, um, you know, will be affected by this. Obviously, uh, you know, they're aside from uh, Pep Guardiola, as you mentioned, there are the players. Let's remember what happened to Juventus years ago, um, who stuck around, who didn't. Patrick Vieira still famously, uh, you know, kind of hated by Juventus when he basically left straight away after Juventus was uh, relegated uh, and point deductions uh, for cheating scandals. But also, you know, we're going to now see just how powerful City is, I guess, because aside from CAS, they, they have no issue... Uh, taking this into um, civil court, court you, right. you know, going going to the Swiss Supreme Court, uh, you know, which basically presumably has jurisdiction over UEFA anyway. The lawyers that City had, by the way, you know, they have more money than UEFA itself. So that's how big <laughs> this thing is. <laughs> I do. I am curious to see if this has any trickle down effect at NYCFC. Um, you know, like. I don't know if that will be the case, to be honest. Um, and it's not like they've been spending as much money in the last year or so on players uh, either. But like maybe about the stadium, which they, we're finally seeing some uh, some movement on reports lately in the New York Times that they're getting close to having a stadium greenlit in the Bronx. I wonder if this would have any impact on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I mean more in terms of personnel, right? Like... Uh you know, would would City need to like take hold and take control of everything that they have in Manchester as opposed to doing what used to be in the past where like, you know, people like Dome Torrent, uh, you know, came from City's uh, training core group, players like Yangel Herrera, you know, the Venezuelan that, you know, was a loanee from Manchester City playing for NYCFC, little things like that uh, will probably just mean that NYCFC's board um, have to be more proactive. The other reaction I had immediately was, this is a punishment with some real teeth in it, you know? I mean, it's not just the 30 million euro fine, which isn't that much, to be honest, for city's owners, but um, about 100 million euros a year that they 
get from Champions League at this point, from just you know how they do in in the competition, and so that does become uh, a somewhat significant uh, amount of money. So I, this is. I, I think it's almost impossible to overstate the importance of what is happening with this story right now. And I didn't think we would actually see this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And also, like, there's still more things that will come out surely, right? Uh, because it wasn't just, um, you know, they they were, City was done for, for many reasons. It wasn't just, you know, there was misstating the accounts, cooking the books, so to speak. So those aren't specifically... FFP violations, but like, you know, they're all part of a major sort of come on down onto city. So, and, and more things will be untangled. But this is this is major. And by the way, the last thing that I'll say about this is that, um, in it's really you know in many ways commendable that UEFA did this and went so hard and and sort of you know implemented their, you know, we we this is our, um, you know. European soccer group this is you know you fall under our rules kind of thing but they kind of created this monster in the first place when you know so much Champions League money goes to those who are already rich in the first place but that's besides the point um, there is a lot more to come and, and it's going to be very intriguing how this gets untangled. Well, and you, when you compare it to Rob Manfred the Major League Baseball commissioner who's been so weak on how he's dealt with this Houston Astros cheating scandal, where for me, like at bare minimum, you have to vacate that World Series title that the Astros had. It's kind of nice to see um, cheating uh, dealt with in a real way. That's that's kind of my reaction right now. Yep, against big people, right? Against right. big people, right. not not just a little person, right? Now, from a competitive standpoint on the field in England, this would mean if the punishment holds, that fifth place in the Premier League suddenly means a lot more now because you would get a Champions League spot for next season. Who do we like for it? <laughs> do, do we dare say Sheffield United at this point? <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable, right? I mean, you know, when you look at the table that, you know, Tottenham uh, is currently in it with, uh, you know, 40 points and Sheffield United in sixth place with 39. But it's still a very tight race now. The, You know, you have also Wolves with 36, Everton now, Carlo Ancelotti's Everton in eighth place with 36, and United creeping in who plays as we speak today. So um, I guess if, if I'm to take a gamble, I guess I'm going to go with, with, with Sheffield United. Uh, not, I'm sorry, with Tottenham. Oh, wow. With Tottenham, not Sheffield oh, okay. United. Yeah. No, no. no I, w I think my heart was speaking more than anything else at that point. No, I think if I have to go with anybody, it has to be with Tottenham. I think, I think the experience will come over here. But also, you know what? I don't know if I think it would be a good thing for Sheffield United to get this. Um, I think that we've seen it in the past how big te like teams that are doing so well who just came from a lower division and are you know uh amazing us and inspiring us with their team effort with with very little resources comparatively speaking and then they suddenly get huge um you know uh accolades afterwards in, th in this case being the champions league i don't know if that's going to be too helpful you know the sophomore slump is all true real in the premier league sometimes so i don't know if it would be great for sheffield united now any sheffield united fan listening wouldn't care at all right now they just want to keep climbing at that table and playing well but if i have to gamble i would say that Tottenham would still take it 
Well, I, I do like the idea that you're adding some dramatics to a Premier League race that doesn't have a ton right now. And uh, there's several teams that could be within striking distance for fifth place, not just Tottenham or Sheffield United, uh, Wolves, Everton, Man United, even Arsenal and Burnley, uh, not too far away. And, and I like that. Um, but it also brings me to my next question, which I put out on my Twitter on Sunday night, which is with the England title race decided, will more Americans start watching the title races in Italy, Germany, and Spain? Because you got good title races in each one of those leagues. And in Italy and Germany, you have even more than two teams in the title race. And I got an interesting bunch of responses from readers, but I'm curious to know what you think. Um, I'm really intrigued to hear what your readers uh, reply. <laughs> I guess the, I mean, listen, it's all about, you know, what the neutral wants, right? If, if you're a neutral fan in America and the U.S., um, you know, what are you paying more attention to? Um, I, I, I would imagine that the Bundesliga immediately becomes such a big attraction, especially just because of how many American male-based players are playing there, but also just the overall competition and, and how tight it is and um, how tight it is, not just among two teams, but more than two teams. I think Spain is, is obviously going to interest a few folks especially you know we're going to talk about it later i'm sure but with barcelona winning and real madrid getting a point it's a tight race but it's a little deceiving because right now it's it's going towards a really low scoring low points gained um title race um so i don't know if it's like yes it's tight but it's i don't think it's as thrilling uh, Serie A is obviously the next argument um, with Lazio beating Inter now in second place. That's just become such a great um, competition. But I would veer that most people would like really want to pay more attention and because of accessibility with the Bundesliga. You know, here is my prediction before I get into various television discussions. My prediction is that the Premier League will continue to have much bigger viewing numbers in America down the, the stretch here than the other leagues that actually have title races. And, and I think that is simply because NBC Sports Network has done such a good job with the Premier League and have built it to what it is here. And because so many of the best games are easy to watch on cable, on cable that most people have. And, and that's a real issue as we see the landscape changing for watching soccer on television in the United States. You know, Fox is a lame duck with the Bundesliga, and they put even a lot of the best Bundesliga games on FS2, which fewer people get. And very few people have Fox Soccer Plus, which has a lot of the other Bundesliga games. Uh, they rarely ever put big Bundesliga games anymore on Big Fox. So it's just really hard to watch the Bundesliga. And what we've also seen is, despite the American stars, the young American national team stars in Germany, that does not seem to drive viewership. And, you know, who do you blame for that? Do you blame Fox for not promoting well? Do you just say that's that's just the nature of the situation? Who knows? Um, Italy is on ESPN+, Plus, which... For me, because they have so many soccer rights at this point, is actually a, a pretty good deal. Um, I subscribed to ESPN Plus. I cord cut a year ago, and basically at this point, I have YouTube TV. Um, I have ESPN Plus. 
I have fantasies for uh for being sports, Copa Libertadores. Um and that's and I'm I'm good with that, you know, because ESPN Plus has out of market MLS games. Um but but things are definitely changing, you know, and, and so that makes it I think tough tougher for people to watch uh some of these leagues. In particular, what the response on the Spanish league I got was there's so few cable and sat- satellite outlets that carry B in sports at this point that it's it's really difficult, which is also partly why I'm stunned that that La Liga extended with B in sports when they could have probably gone to ESPN Plus. That, that like that's the kind of thing that makes you wonder if something kind of shady is going on. That to me is like so weird. I mean, La Liga has the potential of being so much bigger here in the U.S. and just the fact that it remained its contract with being nothing against those who work at being I, I love the commentators and I love right no and I love the yeah. coverage but in terms of accessibility and uh you know just how you can see the product I mean for years and years just trying to watch a game on the phone even like I'm not a cord cutter and I still I have ESPN plus I have all that stuff and I remember like being mm-hmm. sports when you want to pay attention to because they also um, for a, for a large uh, amount of time, they had eliminatorias, they had World Cup qualifiers in South America. So you could like, I, I wanted to see what their app product was, and it was so difficult to try and get a game, even when I was a subscriber. So it, it's kind of amazing. I will say this: the the Premier League, uh, to your point about NBC doing such a good job. Listen, I I paid good money for the gold package this season because being a Villa fan. Oh, wow. Well, you're you're a Villa, you're a Villa fan. Right, so being a Villa fan, you're not gonna get all the main, uh, you're not gonna get all the games in, in, on prime time, right? So like, I wanted to just make sure that I had that, and I gotta tell you, like, it's a really good product. Uh, they do a Goal Rush channel when it's like a busy Saturday in the Premier League, uh, with commentary, and it's fantastic. It goes from game to game, action to action, goal to goal. And it's 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 abs- It's like the red zone channel for for the Premier League, and it's and it's so so great. And yes, you have to pay an extra amount. I believe is sixty nine for the whole season, but but it's really worth it. And with Fox, see, uh, with Fox, yeah. the coverage is bilingual, right? The Portes and, and and English. But again, again, why such major matches? What are you doing? putting them on FS2 or harder to watch. Like you said, Soccer Plus can be a little bit tricky. Not everybody has it. So um, regardless of what everything does, NBC and Telemundo continue to do a really good job uh, for just one league, which is the Premier League. I'll tell you what I don't get at home is I don't get NBC Gold because I'm not an Aston Villa fan or a fan of a, a, a lower mid to lower table club where if you want to see your team every week, that's the only way to do it, basically. Uh, I don't get the BR Turner uh, package for most of the Champions League games because I, I think that's an added paywall. It's bogus. Um, and I certainly don't get Fox uh, Soccer Plus. Uh because it, with that you're you're getting like kind of, you know, lower level Bundesliga games. I guess if you're a Werder Bremen fan, um, but it's it's getting more difficult for soccer fans in America uh, to watch soccer 
And, and that's a little frustrating. And I think one of the biggest questions right now as, you're, as these leagues are doing new deals is how much do you have your games be televised on streaming only versus, you know, linear TV? And, you know, NBC Sports Network, I think, has the balance better right now because with the Premier League, they show the biggest games on linear TV and not on streaming. And while people are cord cutting across America, the numbers are still not that big yet. And so if you want to expose your league to the biggest audience, right now streaming only is is a tough way to go. Yep. I mean, the fact that you have a, a, a Premier League game at 1230 on, on, on NBC, the main channel, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Um, so let's actually talk about what happened this weekend in Italy. You mentioned Lazio. This, this is fascinating, this three-team race in Italy. So Inter was in first place entering the weekend, and now they're in third place with that one loss. Uh, Lazio comes from behind. They were down one nothing this game. Ashley Young had put Inter ahead late in the first half. And then Lazio at home gets the three points, two-to-one victory, and... Now they're in second, just behind Juventus, and Juventus looks like they're sort of beatable here. Um, what do we make of, of what happened this weekend? Oh, it's great. It's everything that we've been talking about, right? It's given us that sort of uh, feeling of Serie A in the 90s. Uh, it's exciting. The, the soccer is exciting, but also at the same time, it's more than just one big fish trying to win the title. As you mentioned, Juventus is definitely not, you know, still a strong team, obviously, and arguably the, the, the favorite to win it, but it's, it's by no means... Um, omnipotent right it's by no means completely unbeatable it, it, you can definitely find the cracks and here comes Lazio and you know for so long we didn't mention Immobile in our podcast and now it's three times in a row uh, Chiro Immobile opening the scoring as you said coming back from Inter Milan leading one nothing actually young scoring just before the end of the first half and and then uh, Milinkovic Savic uh, you know getting the winner and, and now you have a real a real race here and and you know we talked about the Bundesliga a lot but Italy has uh, something to say for itself right now when it comes to action and it's it's great it's super exciting well I remember at the start of the season we talked about you know which teams we thought could threaten uh, Juventus and, and to break their streak and God and, was I wrong <laughs> and we talked about what Inter and Napoli right yeah which is not and silly, silly. It's not, it's not, it wasn't a silly thing to say Napoli, by the way. Anybody listen? Not the time. Yeah, not the time. And, but I, I, I do know Lazio didn't come up with either of us. Nope. And that's apologies from both of us. But look at what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, they've only lost twice. Um, they've scored 55 goals in the league. I think that's the second highest um, after Atalanta, because Atalanta score for fun. Um, and you know they've only lost twice, and and now like like you said, they're uh, one point behind Juventus. Well, and and keep in mind here, uh, the Juventus manager Maurizio Sarri is sort of coaching for his job right now. You know he's on on thin ice there, and we got Champions League starting up again, which is great. Um, but I think whether he sticks around or not is going to be reflected from how Juventus does in Champions League, but also whether they can hang on and win another Scudetto. I wonder what Sarri thinks of Ronaldo's new haircut. 
I, I bet he, I bet he hates it. It's kind of like when, uh, when David Beckham used to have his like multi-week changes of hairdos in Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson just couldn't stand it. I mean, listen, Beckham, do do what you do, but I'm wondering if like part of his contract is like, you know, people must really, you know, kind of like the Yankees. You got to follow like what I want physically, okay? Because I can't, I can't look at that haircut anymore. This was a load management weekend for Ronaldo. Didn't play against Brescia and uh, not an easy win uh, as it should have been for for Juventus, even though they were up a man for the entire game. It was kind of cool to see Giorgio Chiellini get back on the field late in that game. He's been out for a long time with an injury. Uh, let's move to Germany, where everyone held serve this weekend. Everybody in the top four won. Um, and so you've got uh, Bayern Munich still leading. You've got Leipzig a point behind. You've got Dortmund, uh, which looked very good. Another Holland goal uh, in their victory. And uh, Gladbach also won. So, um, you know, the games may be on FS2, unfortunately, but this is a great title race. Yeah, and let's talk about Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, I know that they're just like, you know, in fifth, but they're six points behind the top right now. So, you know, all the, all the way down to fifth place, it's anybody's game. It's it's kind of amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's it's nothing new that we haven't talked about. Um, again, I, I do think uh, when European competition, internet, continental competition comes in, it's going to be even more interesting. I mean, we have... We're going to talk about the Champions League in a second, but, you know, we have Borussia Dortmund playing uh, this week. So, you know, you know, games like that should alter, you know, the overall longevity of, of how a team performs. But again, you know, the German league is, is, is an exciting place uh, to watch a, a thrilling title race. So moving to Spain, uh, Real Madrid dropping two points at home to Celta Vigo. Strange game where Madrid had come back from an early deficit, was ahead to... Uh, to one, ended up uh, giving up a late goal. And now suddenly they have just a, a one-point lead on Barcelona. Yep. And as I mentioned earlier, like it's, 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 it's good to see a, a title race, but you know, in terms of how they've done it, it's been more of a, a turtle title race <laughs> as opposed to a rabbit one. You know, I believe like at, at this point, you know, whoever wins the title is going is, is aiming towards an 84-point title win, which is, I think, you know, one of the lowest ever. And I think that has a lot to say on, on how both Real Madrid and Barcelona have been moving on, one, s- since Cristiano Ronaldo's exit, and the other one, dare I say it, you know, just the inevitable, the fact that Messi is getting older and, you know, the inconsistency of management, how Barcelona has had to really just rethink everything. I mean, you know, granted, Real Madrid has only lost once so far, but eight drawn eight and Barcelona already with four losses. So it's not necessarily one of these super thrilling races, but it is one nonetheless. Well, you mentioned Messi and he had just another insane assist uh, to Griezmann this weekend that you had to actually look at really closely a few times to realize that Messi actually not only one-timed that left-footed pass, but actually megged the guy. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
unbelievable. Like, and, th- and he does stuff like that all the freaking time. It's absolutely insane. And give Griezmann some credit for the finish because that wasn't actually an easy finish. It was on his left, so that was a better situation. But that also is sort of an outlier for what Griezmann has been doing as a center forward in Luis Suarez's absence. I don't feel like he's done very well. No, and I think it's back to what we've talked about in the past, which is, you know, it's, it's, it was never going to be easy, I think, because, again, Griezmann is used to being that number nine. He's used to being that target man. He's used to being everything ends with Griezmann, and this is not that in Barcelona. Everything doesn't end with Griezmann. Um, everything ends wherever Messi decides to end it. So, like, Griezmann has to adjust and, you know, but he's really, he really has to live up to the price tag. He really has to live up to the expectation now because Luis Suarez is out and, you know, Napoli's coming uh, in the Champions League and, and obviously a league title to try and defend. So uh, he, he's playing well, but he needs to, everything that he has, he has to give it right now. By the way, I, I feel like I, I wish with Champions League coming back this week that I could just push a button and the Champions League anthem would come on <laughs> in, in different moments of my life, right? I, I know people who actually want to have that be their wedding music that they come out to. Oh my God, and, my wife would never let me. And so... Unfortunately, we don't have the Champions League anthem to to stick in the podcast here, but imagine it because it's back finally Tuesday and Wednesday this week. And I like the way that they stagger out these round of 16 games over a, a longer period of time, but still give us almost every week, which is which is wonderful. Uh, this week on Tuesday, we've got what I'm really excited for PSG Dortmund in which I don't know. We should do an over-under on number of goals scored in these two games. I, I might say 17 and a half. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because neither one of these teams plays any defense. Yep. And not, and, I mean, and not only that, it, the, the amount of offensive firepower is, is, oh, yeah. beyond, is beyond belief. Uh, no, I, I'm with you. This is going to be some game. And especially... You know, uh, Thomas Tuchel returning to his former club, facing his former club. It's it's just going to be a special one. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I just if if when in doubt, watch Dortmund. Not that I'm in doubt at this point, but like on Friday, you know, you had uh, the Dortmund game, you had a Premier League game, you had a, a La Liga game, and like I just automatically choose Dortmund as the team I'm going to watch live. And and we'll do so as well, even though the other game is Atletico Madrid against Liverpool, which I think has all the appearances of Atletico just trying to muck it up. This is, um, in many ways, really the final, not the final, but it's a major concluding part for Diego Simeone. I mean, things have not gone Atletico Madrid's way this season I predicted they would win La Liga and I was very wrong um, you know Joao Felix apparently reportedly won't be available there's um, there are many issues with the with the Atleti system and it's natural it's natural for a team sometimes to not respond always to Simeone because he is such in terms of his uh, coaching he's such a demanding manager like what he wants out of you is everything uh, the result is the most important thing. Uh, Rory Smith wrote a really good piece 
for the New York Times uh, regarding Simeone. So it, it, it's it, this is a major, a major, major game for them. And you know, it, thank God for two legs because I think that they have to do everything they can to try and get something um, at Wanda Metropolitano because this obviously is going to be a big, big mountain to climb to face Liverpool, who is just on fire. I, this is also where I come in and say. I understand why people are picking Man City or PSG to win Champions League this season. Um, they've been pursuing this title for a really long time. They have, uh, in terms of personnel on paper, uh, very, very good teams. But at this point, how could you not pick Liverpool to be the team to win Champions League? They're having an insanely good season. On paper, they have the better roster. Um I think people are out thinking themselves. Yeah, I think you just you, how I mean listen like it's 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 no longer anymore about priorities. We used to say, you know, when a team was in multiple tournaments including the season that okay, so the ex manager is really focusing on the league so you would presume that um you know, a rotating squad or maybe the player's mentality is somewhere else. No. This Liverpool side, whatever it plays in, Whoever it has in the field is just delivering, and it's because Jurgen Klopp has brought a collective mentality that doesn't allow anything else than 100%. So they're going to do exactly the same in the Champions League. You know, they're going to give the same amount of effort that they do towards the season league title as they do, of course, to defend their Champions League crown. And, uh, you know, from an aesthetic point of view, this Atletico Madrid game is going to be really interesting because they obviously like to also... Uh, you know, push you and pressure you with the high press. They want to counter you when you lose the ball. Um, they're very direct. Uh, but Liverpool just has so many weapons from everywhere. And we've talked about Sadio Mane a lot, but somebody that I really think, you know, and this is another, again, an, a not surprising comment, but Roberto Firmino's game has just elevated to a point of, you know, a top three number nine right now, I think, in the world. He's just, the things that he's doing is unbelievable. His vision and the way that he helps uh, bring in everybody in him. And we haven't even talked about Mohamed Salah. I mean, you know, this is a, a, a tall order for Atletico Madrid. How could, like you said, people talk about PSG, people talk about Man City, Real Madrid, but how could you not, again, think that they could do the, uh, you know, win it again, uh, Liverpool? We're also starting to see reports that Bayern Munich wants to buy Roberto Firmino. And I find it a little odd. One, why would Firmino want to leave Liverpool for Bayern? And two, what does that mean about Lewandowski? Would you play Firmino behind Lewandowski? I, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think I think the, the biggest answer is in the beginning of your sentence, right? Why would Roberto Firmino leave Liverpool? Period. <laughs> yeah, not right now. Uh, Wednesday Champions League games, Tottenham Hotspur hosting RB Leipzig. We had Tyler Adams on the show last Thursday. Uh, listen to that if you haven't listened to that interview because he's amazing when it comes to interviews. Um, and then jinx of jinxes, he gets hurt again uh, the day after our interview. Will not be uh, playing against Tottenham, um, which is a, a giant bummer. This would have been Tyler Adams's Champions League debut and I think he would have started. Uh, seems to have a ton of trust from Julian Nagelsmann, the coach at RB Leipzig. Um, but this game, I think, could be a really interesting game because 
I think Leipzig can give Tottenham a ton of trouble. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Julian Nagelsmann, and to me, that's the answer. I I don't think that if you're not if you don't watch the Bundesliga on a consistent basis, um, you uh, won't know much about Leipzig's manager. But he is uh, such a smart tactician, one of the smartest in Europe right now, and I I think that he has a a very good plan on how to try and overcome a Harry Kane-less Tottenham. Granted, uh, Jose Mourinho, <laughs> you know, has enough experience in this competition to to know what he can do, even without the, his main number nine. But you know, especially when you have, you know, such uh, a threat like you know Son and Deli Ali, uh, Lucas Mauda, the new addition, uh, Bergwin as well. You know, there's a lot that, that that Tottenham can provide. But I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking that it's a game of chess, and one manager is going to be able to outmaneuver the other one. And in this side, I re- especially because it's a two-legger, I really think that Leipzig can win it. I really do, and and I think Leipzig can get at least one goal, maybe even two, at Spurs, which would unless they just get overrun, which I don't see Spurs doing, uh, would make it easier on the back end on the second leg back in Germany. Uh, the other Champions League game on Wednesday, Atalanta against Valencia, which are not exactly marquee teams, but one of them is going to get to the Champions League quarterfinals. And it's I think it's the toughest one to call out of all of them, obviously, because of it. You know, they're kind of even in the way of how they come into it. Um, and Again, it's 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 really a hard one. I don't listen. the The main point that we have to take is like, in spite of everything that Atalanta did last season, they are still doing pretty well this season. They didn't. Oh, really, yeah. They didn't suffer uh, a kind of slump from last season's hyperball, and that to me says something. I mean, they're still fourth. They're only, you know, clearly there's a major gap between one, two, three, and fourth in Serie A, but they still have that champ, you know, uh, you know, Champions League hopes for next season. And, you know, they're a good, good team, well-managed with a lot of offensive power, specifically Colombian offensive power, which is great to see. And then you have Valencia on the other side, which again, they're not uh, a Real Madrid or Barcelona. They're actually seventh right now, uh, as we speak, joint with Villarreal. But you know, they, uh, Villarreal has a better goal difference, and they're not necessarily competing for anything other than trying to see what they can do in the Champions League. And you know, they they just tied. Um, I'm sorry. They, you know, they've come from some good games where they they just, they just tied Atletico. Yeah, they just tied Atletico two all. Uh, before that, they got killed by Getafe, and they got knocked out uh, against Granada in the in the Copa del Rey. So this is really their main focus. Yeah, and give Valencia credit; they were in a group that had uh, Chelsea and Ajax, and they kept Ajax from advancing. So uh, they're not pushovers. I, I get the feeling that Atalanta, if Dortmund is sort of the the hipsters team, Atalanta is the hipster hipsters team. <laughs> you know. Because they actually score a ton of goals. You mentioned that earlier. Their goal difference, I'm pretty sure, is better than any other team in Serie A. Let me check as you keep talking. But yes, absolutely. I mean, they, I mean, and like I said, the thing about Atalanta is like they, 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 they play with no fear. And that's why they've come so high up. I mean, yeah, they have 63 goals in Serie A. 63. The next one after that is Lazio, which we mentioned earlier. 
63 goals, and they're a collective group of goals as well. Um, and they actually, you know, it's, you know, they concede, but it's not a crazy number. But their main firepower is scoring goals, and Valencia actually um, are pretty vulnerable at the back. So, you know, you could venture to say that Atlanta could win this one, but it's, it's, I think it's the hardest one to call out. I love it when British commentators who actually don't follow what's happening on the continent talk about Syria being this defensive league where no goals are scored. <laughs> I think Sam Allardyce said it last week, and I was like, "Yes, Sam." <laughs> first of all, <laughs> first of all, isn't that like you know calling the kettle black? <laughs> and second of all, you have no idea what you're talking about. Italian soccer is, if anything, at this point, super offensive. Yeah. It has been for several years, so come on, Sam. Um, and unfortunately, we got to bring this up again. Uh, another incident of racism in Europe, uh, a couple, actually, and it was interesting to see the, the different responses to them. So uh, a Porto player, Ford Musa Morega from Mali, um, was racially abused after scoring a goal. He uh, wants to leave the field decides he's going to get you know uh, take a sub and his own teammates and his own coach try to prevent him from doing that and the referee gives him a yellow card for all of this um pretty shameful stuff Ugh, it was just again another terrible moment in european football and um, you know, how do you not walk off with your teammate? What what is wrong with you? After and it, this isn't a solitary issue. You should, you know, uh, this, uh, unless you have ever been victimized, racially abused because of the color of your skin, the only thing, the best thing, the only thing that you can do is empathize and understand that this person can't the only way in order to overcome what's going on with them is to leave the field and you should join them. You should join him. And it was pretty, it's pretty sad to see. You know, being an ally is so important in situations like this. And I don't understand given how many incidents of racism we've seen all across Europe this year, that every team should be required at the start of the season and at various points during the season, if need be, to go through training on what to do in these situations. And that should include walk off the field. Yeah, that's a really good point. Really good. Yeah, training, I think, just a, a complete reevaluation of what a team needs to do. Because like you said, you know, if there's anything more important than standing up against racism is being an ally and even though you are not personally yourself being attacked, you need to understand that actually you are because this person is your teammate and their values represent yours. And it's I, I, a really, really good point. I hope that next season we see in the preseason part of training is really understanding what it means uh, when you have to deal with these situations. Well, and Josie Altador on Friday after the Man City News came out tweeted that he wishes that UEFA and FIFA would treat racism as seriously as they've treated Man City here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's true. You know, there was another incident. There are probably a lot more incidents, unfortunately, but there was one other kind of noteworthy incident that we saw 
at least in terms of the response to a racist incident this weekend in Germany where a lower division game was marred by racist abuse by a fan of uh, a Ghanaian-German soccer player named Leroy Quadwo. But what was interesting here was that the other fans around the racist alerted security and they escorted the, the, the offender out. And then opposing players came over to hug Quadwo, support him. The entire stadium stood up and chanted, Nazis out. I, I, why are we not hearing more stories like that of like allies, allies and, and standing up? It's weird. That, uh, you know, I, that's, that's so, that's exactly what should be completely commended and, and amplified. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say this here because, you know, we've got our own issues in the United States right now that there was an interesting story in the Washington Post last week talking about the dramatic increase in bullying in schools and racist bullying um, in in the Trump era. And this is what happens when you have uh, racists out there who feel emboldened to do these things by the people in charge. And they feel like they've got support and the, and so this happens more and more and obviously around Europe too you've got a lot of right wing uh even white nationalist regimes coming in and people feel more emboldened to do these types of things yeah absolutely i mean I, I remember writing about it um in terms of uh you know what you just mentioned about the bullying since the trump era and you know i, I remember you know reading a story about you know, just immigrant kids just getting these envelopes, like kids in the playground would hand envelopes to other kids, and in it it said, you know, it was a, a deportation letter. You know what I mean? Like this, this hatred right. is 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 a cancer, and it just keeps spreading. And if you are the stakeholder, if you're the one in charge, and in this case, if we can relate it to to football, we can talk about teammates, we can talk about owners of teams, we can talk about overall official supporters groups, if we don't stand up to it, if we don't become allies, then this will just, this will just completely um, spread. All right? You know, Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a demand. And it never did and it never will. It just takes over. We, we have to stand up to it. Yeah. If you do nothing, you are part of the problem. Uh, let's move to North America here. Hey, another racism incident. Cincinnati coach Ron Jans, is it Jans? Uh, he's Dutch, has uh, stepped away from the team because he apparently said uh, some uh, racist term in front of his players who reported it. Uh, an investigation is happening right now. Um, one report... I saw said that Jan's claimed to be uh, using a rap lyric and said the N word. Um, I we obviously don't have all the information right now, uh, but you know this isn't a good look. No, uh, and there's been, you know, as you said, the investigation has begun, um, but this is also apparently coming from after a second complaint where I believe the report was that he said some 
um, racist remarks regarding slavery. And, um, you know, we, we don't have all the facts right now, but we do know that right now there's an investigation and that, you know, he has been, you know, disposed of his duties, uh, so to speak. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out what happens. But again, back to your point about, um, you know, more training needs to happen. We need to have more training when it comes to hiring the people that you want to take over your team. I mean, what what is happening? I think there needs yeah, to yeah. there needs to be a whole overhaul of like an idea of what it takes when it comes when when you're hiring somebody and they're representing your franchise in one way or another, whether that's a manager, whether that's a coach, whether anybody. Like there needs to be an understanding of that. And by the way, it's 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 just I just I hope that we get to see more diversification in MLS as well because we need more black coaches. I mean that's another argument completely, but it's more about you know let's have more representation um, in order yeah, to yeah. help clubs like this understand why it's wrong uh, to either say this or 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 anything that that that's within a, a controversial past. Yeah, FC Cincinnati making news for all the wrong reasons last season or last week. Uh, Darren Maddox comes out, has a felony charge against him connected to some insurance scam. We'll see how that uh, plays out. He was already on the outs there, but um, that could uh, be sped along now. Um, On the field this week, we do have action. Uh, We've got CONCACAF Champions League starting up. We've got five MLS teams involved. Uh, Atlanta against Motagua, LAFC with a tough assignment against Leon in Mexico, Montreal playing Deportivo Saprissa, um, NYCFC. I've got Motagua, so I've screwed that up. Ah, yeah, I'm just finding it out for you. And uh, no, they're playing San Carlos. There you go. Uh, and then Seattle has Olympia, and I'm looking forward to seeing how these games play out. Um, I think it's a little unfortunate from a draw perspective that LAFC, which probably has the best chance to win this thing of any MLS team, has Lyon, one of the top teams in Liga MX right now. Yeah, I think so. And that's the one to watch, to be honest, in terms of overall quality and and, and, and mentality, all due respect to the other teams. But uh, Lyon LAFC is going to be one to watch. Lyon is... It's a good squad, and their home crowd is intimidating as hell. Um, so as, as great as Bank of California uh, station, station, stadium is, um, it, they're going to they're gonna come in for quite a, quite a great uh, atmosphere when they face Leon. And to be honest with you, you know, in terms of competition, Leon right now is doing pretty well. They're, you know... Pumas is leading Liga MX Clausura with Club America second, but then it's Leon, just above Querétaro in, um, you know, on goal difference. So they're doing well, you know, and and they they score goals and they are on a good trajectory. So they're coming in at a good time. I always find that we always have this argument and there is no excuse. There's never no excuse, but there is something to be said about the fact that Leon has already played six matches in Clausura and, you know, their competitive mentality is already pretty high up. Not to say LAFCs won't. Absolutely not. But, you know, they're about to face a pretty good team in Liga MX. Yeah. So I'll be watching those first legs this week. Second leg will be next week. Um... Fox has most of those games because they got the uh, CONCACAF Champions League package. Uh, In general, though, I think there's an interesting debate question here because 
uh, with Rodolfo Pizarro going to Inter Miami uh, from Mexico and talking about how he feels that MLS is a better place to get to Europe from than Liga MX. Uh, do you think that is true or not? And should Liga MX really be concerned about MLS? We're seeing uh, CONCACAF Champions League start up again here, and clearly Liga MX has been much, much better over the years than MLS. Yep, it has. And, you know, there's no secret here. This isn't a shocking statement. I mean, I remember a few days ago, Alan Pulido made some comments saying, you know, Liga MX is better, but there, there was more context to it. It's, n it's not to say that MLS is growing, and Liga MX knows that. Tom Marshall wrote a really good piece for ESPN a few weeks ago about this sort of relationship, and I think there are different ways to look at it. For one, when you think about the designated player, your 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 big players, your Rodolfo Pizarro, um, to, uh, Pulido, Edison Flores, those kinds of players, then yeah, there's an argument to be made about the fact that Liga MX could be concerned about losing some of its marquee stars. But the other part of it, though, is that those players that are just below the designated player level, right? Yoshi Yotun, I'm thinking, that used to play for Orlando City. Um, you know, they are abundantly, overwhelmingly all over Liga MX. And the overall sort of foundation, the overall numerical advantage of player talent in Liga MX is better and the competition is better. And it's an older league. So, you know, n none of this should be shocking. But what should be uh, not concerning, but at least you know, something to watch out for is that MLS is growing and it's attracting a lot of Latin American talent, specific, specifically from Mexico. And the biggest part of it, when every time I've interviewed any player, uh, you know, moving to MLS or, uh, you know, coming from South America to move to MLS, something that people forget when they do all these reports is you got to take away the footballing side of it because all these players, they want a better life for their families. That's not to say you can't find it in Mexico, but the overall package of what is being offered to them in the US usually is more appealing. And I can tell you on record that almost every single player that I've talked to always prioritizes that. The fact that they're beginning a family and they want to, you know, just be overall, just feel better in a different culture and that's why they usually often choose MLS. Now, is that an advantage for MLS itself? I don't know. We cuz you know, there's also the argument to be said that you know, players have said, you know, once if you don't make it into the playoffs in MLS, you know, where is the risk factor? Where is the um the pointing fingers whereas Liga MX has that sort of vitality and sort of competition driven just because of relegation itself and how competitive it is. So there's there's plenty of contextual arguments to be made. But yes, if, if Liga MX is, is smart, it needs to understand that it needs to prioritize the number one thing, which is overwhelm its league with South American talent, which does all the time. It's just that the designated players are probably going to go more to MLS. I think we need to reframe the argument from is MLS a better launch pad to Europe than Liga MX because I don't think anyone should be saying that you can't go from Liga MX to Europe. There's lots of good players who've gone straight from Liga MX to Europe. Um, 
I think what I would say is when you look at how many really good South American players have come to MLS, young guys in recent years, you know, either on their way to Europe or hoping to be on their way to Europe. And we're talking about Miguel Almiron, PD Martinez, Diego Rossi, um, you know, Brian uh, Rodriguez, you know, players like that. I think that the way to frame it is MLS is now viewed as a place where you can go to Europe from. Yeah. And it's not going to be appreciably a worse situation. You're not hurting your career if you're PD Martinez by coming to Atlanta United for a couple of years. Absolutely. So that's how I think people should view it because it's not like you can't move from Argentina to a top European league. That happens all the time. So you can do it from Mexico. You can do it from MLS. And I think just MLS being able to do that now is what's changed. Uh, and that's good for MLS, but that doesn't mean it's a better league than League MX right now. Yep, that's it. That's the argument right there. The growth is there in so, MLS, but it's not as good as League MX. That's it. And the only way you get to be, you know, correct in saying that you're better than League MX if you're MLS is do better in Champions League. Yeah. Which hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's time. I mean, so, we, we say it every season, right? It's time now. Come on now. Come on, MLS teams. You got you to gotta win one. So it all gets started this week. Obviously, lots going on, as we've talked about, in the soccer world. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And come back on Thursday when we'll try something new this week where the top of that podcast, we're still going to have a good interview, but the top of the podcast is going to be Luis Miguel and I talking about midweek soccer, mainly Champions League, and then we'll go into the interview. So uh, we hope you enjoy that, and I look forward to talking to you again in a couple days, my friend. Yes, sir. Have a great one, and thanks for listening, everybody. 